For our meetings across the country, we'll bring them to you late today uh, and uh, you'll have all the information. As I said, jump on the Tab app, though, for more info. We've got that big meeting at Ascot today, too. Uh, because of the uh, the heat over there in the west, we've got 11 races at Ascot today. So we'll be uh, chiming in there. The first at 3.22, the last 9.33 tonight. We'll chat with Richard Bell later and try and find you a winner. And away from uh, from Thoroughbred Racing, we've got uh, Greyhound and Harness action today in New South Wales. Plus, we've got our 11 a.m. Monday's Experts Chat today. Quade Crow's going to join us. It's a big week uh, down there at the Sapphire Coast as they build towards their cup meeting. We'll be at that cup meeting, myself and Luke Marlowe. And I'm going to chat with Quade today because he's got a really good story. Uh, he, he wants to be a, a pilot, and we'll talk with Quade about that a little bit later on. But let's get into punters post-mortem. Brad Davidson, good morning to you, mate. Uh, how was your weekend on the punt? Did you find a winner? Yeah, morning, Dave. Morning, everyone. Yeah, it was a nice weekend, actually. We uh, had to wait till the last. But, uh, that was my main bet of the day, bring the ransom. So that was a, a nice result to get the cash in the last. I thought she was very good getting off the, the canvas there the last couple and really surged to the line, didn't she, to, to win nicely. So good day. Good day of racing at, at Randwick as we start to build up now towards a, a big autumn carnival. Certainly do. Uh, Chris Roots from the Sydney Morning Herald joins us as well. Chris, what do you think, the, well, what was the main sort of headline to come out of the weekend? I think we saw a, a really nice horse in the first race in Silent Impact. It was um, it was one of those wins wins that sort of says there's a lot more to come, and they've got big plans to go to a Derby with it. And I think he might be another nice horse for the Duns, who um, have had a few nice horses. And um, seeing Glenn Schofield get um, back in back in form and um, uh, on special reward, it was um, one of the one of those wins where. This horse is just revitalised. It's come out, and it was a perfect ride. He just rode it like it was like it was the favourite, and it came over the top of them. Yeah, it was a good ride, wasn't it? Uh, of course, Glenn there in the the Carrington Plate, and uh, Dean Lester. I tell you, it's all been happening down there in Melbourne, not only on the track, but what about this yesterday at Great Western? Oh, I can't believe what I'm seeing um, via the Twitter, and it's just extraordinary, devastating. Yeah, it was really, Dave. Uh, to be honest, uh, it was. Uh, uh, to, to see the, the fire just engulf uh, the, the car park of the race course and uh, horses were at the barriers for race two and uh, the, they showed a shot from the, the stewards uh, camera at about the 800 metre mark looking back towards the, you know, the grandstand and uh, beyond and there was this bit of a billow of smoke and within a couple of minutes it was thick black smoke and uh, you knew something was uh, you know, pretty serious and uh, it was uh, cars going up uh, left, right and centre, and just on 20 cars uh, incinerated, basically. And uh, luckily, uh, because it's it's quite an enclosed area and there's a, it's a very treat, it's a once-a-year race course, and it's basically in a paddock. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of trees and there could have been, you know, it could have been catastrophic, but luckily uh, the horses and uh, the patrons got out safely. Uh, but the actually embers from one of the fires actually skipped to the middle of the track, and the uh, the um, aeroplane water bomber uh, put that out. But uh, yeah, just a, just a remarkable day of uh, country racing, and uh, it's never dull on a race course. No, do, do we know did, did, how did the fire start? You know, or did it start somewhere else, and those embers fly over and and hit the cars? Or no, it's still to be determined. There's a sort of thought that. Uh, the, the club uh, had um, one of the big problems they have, because it is, I mean, I've been to Great Western on one occasion, and it is basically in the middle of nowhere, and it's in a paddock, uh, is that they have a lot of dust, and they'd laid down some 
uh, wetted hay or something, and some of that someone had parked on it with a car that was obviously warm, and it uh, it, it gradually uh, caught a light. Uh, yeah. But that's that's the the you know the thought at this stage. But the uh, fire brigade are investigating it, so it's uh, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's not what you expect when you go to a race meeting. That's for sure. That's no, it's extraordinary, and uh, thankfully no one uh, injured uh, in all those racing participants safe but I mean if you haven't heard of that particular story just just jump on uh, to one of your racing media pages because you'll see it on there and uh, yeah absolutely extraordinary stuff what about your weekend on the punt uh, Dino was it were you happy with the way uh, Mooney Valley was playing well Mooney Valley played very quick uh, we ended up on a firm two which you don't see very often uh, with uh, tracks but we got a very warm day uh breeze blowing and it just dried out uh, very quickly and you could tell early in the sprint races that it was going to be hard to make ground and they ran near well they ran a track record in race seven high and dry uh, ran the 1500 meter record and uh, in the boat went within point one of the track record in race eight so uh, yeah look personally yeah obviously I was very happy in the boat one because I've got a small share in him so uh, for him to to keep winnings but was uh, the, the highlight of the day. Yeah, fantastic stuff. All right, let's get into it. Uh, let's jump back to the Carrington Stakes, and I'll come to you here, Davo. Uh, it was a lovely ride uh, by Glenn Schofield uh, in the Carrington Stakes with special reward. Now, I didn't catch the uh, the post race, but Glenn, we know he's a cheeky um, he's a cheeky bugger. Did he did he get stuck into you, Davo? <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he said yeah, he had a little little word. I'm not sure where it came from, to be honest. I actually had a chat to him five minutes after because I said I don't. I don't recall uh, that he did anything underwater in the lead-up, me having a go at him running like that. So I'll have to go back and watch the tapes. But, no, it was all good. We we had a chat afterwards, and it was all fine. But, uh, no, great ride there by, by Glenn on special reward. And, uh, yeah, I mean, was able to... Gee, Chris Lees has got this horse backfiring on all yeah. the sin levels, hasn't he? Um, just uh, able to win the race of Sharp and then run well at Canterbury and, and then stepped out the 1,400 and, and got the job done well in the Carrington. I thought through the cracks was outstanding. He just copped a bit of a check out the back there and it just put him way too far back in the race. He just had to make that long searching run and I thought his run was just as good as the, the winner. And no compromise. What a return by him. Uh, you know, we got Steyer first up at 1,400 metres and he was uh, he was savaging the line there. So he looked in for a great preparation. People second, gee, they backed him like he was unbeatable, but... I thought the step back to 1,400 was going to find him out, and it did. It was just a little bit too sharp for him. He was off the bit at the top of the straight, and I think he's looking for a mile plus at, at this stage of his preparation. You know what? I'm all for that, uh, too. Um, and uh, a glim, very tongue-in-cheek. And tongue he's a character. Um, we always talk about characters in our sport. We've got plenty of them. Some are just, I think, uh, afraid to, to be those characters, but I think uh, more of them. Um, that's what will all uh, really get uh, our sport sort of, you know, in, internally uh, chatting away and, and having fun. I mean, we, we sometimes are all a bit too serious. Uh, Ruta, with, um, with the Carrington Stakes, uh, what did you make? Well, you touched, I guess, on special award, but what about in behind? Were you disappointed with Purple Sector? Yeah, well... In the end, Purple Sector, as Brad said, just got run off its legs. And I think if you went back through its form, the um, its um, its form suggested that uh, it goes to a mile third up, and it probably was looking for that. Just the but um, special reward. It, it's gone from not running a place in since the Hunter last year to finding this rich vein of form. And really, realistically, I mean, I, and I'm, when I say Hunter last year, I mean Hunter in 2020. Um, it's it's just back to what it was, and it's always had a really sharp sprint, 
And Chris Lee's made the point after the race that has a sharp sprint, but you've got to hold it up for as long as possible. And that's what Glenn did on the weekend. He got on Purple Sector's back. It took him everywhere he needed, popped off it. And when it let go, it just put a length on them really quickly and um, that gave nothing else a chance. Uh, Dino, uh, what did you make of uh, the Carrington Stakes, mate, looking from afar? Yeah, we sort of, uh, it's been a bit of a renaissance for Special Reward. I remember him in an earlier life in Perth being a you know, really promising horse and then uh, he uh, he won that stakes race early doors for Chris Lees but he was in the wilderness for a while but uh, he's, he's sort of back. But uh, yeah, I thought uh, his performance was good. I, I think, uh, I just think Purple Sector might be back looking for that little bit further as Chris said run off his feet a bit but um, probably looking for further and it was a looking at the dynamics of the race they sort of uh, you know, went pretty steady and some of them made mid-race moves and and that's where the pressure went on and uh, uh, you know he'll be better you know I think uh, he's not that far off a win purple sector but uh, yeah it was a good effort for special reward to win the top weight there and you know the second and third horses had five and a half kilos less so uh, no, he did a good job. What uh, what do we do, Davo, with this type of race? I mean, this is an early, well, it's a summer race. It always has been. Now, you look at the honour roll in the in the past, though. These some of these horses have popped up elsewhere. Do we look at this race and go right? These are some horses I want to be following over the over the next little period. Or do you think this is um, you know obviously the tier below what we're going to see in coming months? Well, he looked absolutely cherry ripe in the yard. Special reward. He looked bigger the yard by by far. So he looked he looked the one ready to peak. I think through the cracks is the one next time out. He, he just needs a bit more luck. As I said, down the side there at around that seven hundred, he got the check that cost him about a length and a half, and and just put him right out the back. So I think third up. Even Angela Davies said before the race, he might just need one more. So I think he's going to be ready to peak next time out. No compromise. Well, he's in for a great prep. It's just whether. He now needs one or two more to get out to 2,000 and beyond. And Purple Sector, again, if he can, as the boy said, if he can find a race over a bit further, then he's going to be in the picture as well. So they might all be heading to different places, but uh, I think the second, third and, and fourth horse is the ones I want to follow out of the race. All right, uh, Chris, what's happening over there, mate? The dog's going. You've got Jack Johnson going. You've, uh, you're in no, fine form. I, 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 I just put... I just put I'll best put the trials on the iPad just to, to watch them and I had the air volume up. Sorry about that. That's um, all right. I was going to say, uh, and you've got the, the little one barking this morning, mate, fired up. Yeah, yeah well, um, she's, she's, uh, she's keeping, keeping, it, keeping us safe, isn't she? Um, I just think this, 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 race, this race on Saturday and this race meeting, it, it's always the transition point for, for um, the autumn. From, from next week, we really start seeing these really good autumn horses come back. And it's really hard to follow anything with a lot of confidence out of these races. Races, horse like my, no compromise is going to step up a distance. It's going to be really, it's going to be really, really good once it gets to its trip around two thousand metres. But of the ones that are there, you can't see them testing some of the horses that we'll see in the next couple of weeks at at the same level. And if they have another listed race fourteen hundred metres, it'll be a much better, a much much higher graded contest than this that race on Saturday. All right. Let's jump down to Melbourne, Dino, because there's a couple of texts on the text line. And if you've got a question uh, for our panel as well, uh, for Dean, Chris or Brad, give us a call on 1353 uh, uh, It is in relation uh, to uh, your horse, uh, the one that got a small share in, in the boat. Um, I had Lindsay Smith on the program last week and he said this horse was just like the, the, the perfect race horse, mate. He was... You know, just just jump and run. I mean, have you got lofty ambitions for him or are you just going to keep taking him through the grades? Uh, he'll go through at least one more grade. Uh, he'll go to an 84 grade 
in three weeks at Caulfield, and then he'll have a just a little back off, and there's a couple of listed races back into March, April that uh, we might have a little look at, and I think long term we're, we're hoping, you know, say a race, race like the Rupert Clark next spring might be something that, uh, with the right sort of weight, um, that he could run well in. So uh, that's, you know, that's yeah, the, the pie in the sky long term aim. But uh, he is a he's a jump and run horse, and then he'll relax at any sort of speed. Like I went back and watched his win over thirteen hundred this morning at Warrnambool, and he had them backed off going very very steady. So he doesn't have to, you know, high ball along in front like he did on Saturday. He can he can really pace himself. So yeah, that's yeah, and that's why he's won five out of eight. He's got talent, and he's got a, a good race brain. Yeah, um, what did you make of some of the uh, the beaten brigade? And obviously your main focus would have been on in the boat, but I thought Sacred Palace was very good considering the way the track was playing. Yeah, the, the stable mate was very good. Uh, he looks, he's really matured now, Sacred Palace. Uh, that's the best I've ever seen him look at pre-race. And uh, I thought his run was you know, absolutely full of merit. As you said, he, he uh, kept finding the line. Um, Vane Stream's a horse that's been in the, you know, had 12 months off, so it's taken a long time to get fit, but thought he, he ran quite well. And Curran, I think they're going to give Curran a little break, and it's probably a good idea. He's actually lost his early speed. He was a horse that could really roll along, and uh, his last three runs, he's just been beaten for speed. He's run very well, but there's just something obviously not quite right there in the first part of a race. Uh, so uh, I think a little freshen up, and Curran could bounce back. We saw him last winter have a, a really good winter, and he, he might do that again late autumn winter campaign. So I wouldn't drop off Curran, but we mightn't see him for you know two or three months. Uh, the, probably the disappointment there, I thought, was Pioneer River. He had a beautiful run in the race, uh, and he just he just wasn't good enough on the day, whether he's absolutely at his best down the straight. His previous two wins had been down the straight at Flemington. But, uh, yeah, Sacred Palace ready to win. And uh, and uh, even though for the right race, a horse like Vainstream wouldn't be far away. All right. Uh, back up to Sydney we go. Style and impact. Uh, Brad, what did you make of the performance of the winner of the first? Well, uh, I, I was on him late on the drift when, uh, when Flying Crazy didn't parade. Well, I thought it was the only real danger in the race. And uh, so I was happy to sort of take the, the price later on in the in the piece when uh, just before they jumped the 250. But I must admit, I thought it was a bit of a uh, lucky winner. I, I'm happy to take the cash, but take the cash and run if you backed it because the third horse, Bellcatcher, was very stiff for mine. It, it caught that check when Moradam was running off the off the track in the straight and, and got quite a nasty check it around that 200, 250 metre mark and was taking up taking ground off silent impact late. So, look, I thought he's done a really good job um, to win first up over 1,100. He's clearly, as Chris said, he, you know, looking at derbies with him and he's going to be better over further. But if I was just isolating that as a race, I think the third horse was a, a bit stiff, bell catcher, and did a really good job to step up from, you know, much weaker grade and, and to be able to bring that there. And, look, Capital Rain, he just felt the pinch that last little bit, but... He ran super and maybe back to a thousand metres for him. And as I said, if you're a flying crazy fan, just be forgiving. He just didn't parade well at all. He got way too warm. He looked like he'd almost run his race before the start. And that's why I went quite cold on him. But Silent Impact, good job. But Spellcatcher, a bit stiff. All right, perfect. Uh, Chris, any thoughts there on the first? I know that uh, you mentioned so they're, they're on a derby path with this horse. Yeah, the, um, talking to Aiden. Adrian Bott after the race, it was it's interesting. They 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 tossed up the idea of going to the Magic Millions, but it was all all going to be too much of a rush. And then it was in work, so they come back and went to the 1100 first up just instead of another trial. So they got they put 61,000 in the in the um, Skyrocket on Saturday, and it'll go to go probably to an Eskimo Prince 
into a Hobart Bill and, and that Guinea's path, but I don't think you're going to see the best of this horse until they get over a bit of trip. Uh, it gets over a bit more trip. Like Saturday was a perfect setup for it. It got back in the back in the field with a at a race run at really high speed and then just accelerated through and did a really good job. And as we've seen, these Maurices, as they get out and trip, they maintain their sprint and and can and can do it over a longer trip. So I can't wait to see if they get out out and trip. Yeah, I tell you what, Chris. As a kid, I went to Warner Warner Brothers Movie World, and we had like they they took us through the the studios with all the different sound effects. Well, we've had the dog parking, Jack Johnson. And now, are you in a you at Corumban Wildlife Century? It's just like with all those birds in the background. Mate, that's a, that's a beautiful part of living in Sydney. You get um, you get the rosellas now in the trees next to me. We're going to take a break on uh, Partners Postmortem. We can get yourself sorted. Uh, we will be back. If you want to ask the boys a question, 13.53.53, give us a call now. Tony Brassel on watching the trials. It just gives you a chance to beat the market. That's the thing. Like Once a horse becomes public property after a run or two, it's quite difficult to you know sneak that little horse into a race and find that you've got a much better price than what you anticipated. Compare it a little bit to stealing a march on the public consciousness. Monday's Experts. Monday's Experts. 11am Monday on Racing HQ. It's as Aussie as backyard cricket. It's as Aussie as a foot full of bindies. It's as Aussie as a redhead called Bluey. It's as Aussie as adding O to everything. Righto. It's as Aussie as calling Barry Baz. It's our Australia Day sale at Bingley. There's huge store-wide deals on fridges, TVs, ovens, washers, coffee machines, computers, air conditioners, you name it. I name it. The Bingley Australia Day sale. It's as Aussie as Bingley. Australian family owned for 65 years. Get ready to secure the very best yearlings New Zealand has to offer. With world-class talent now hitting the track, NZB Standard Bread graduates have claimed 14 Group 1 wins, 27 stakes wins, and 7 derbies last season alone. Buy from the best in the business at NZB Standard Bread's 2022 National Yearling Sale in Auckland and Christchurch. New Zealand Bloodstock, where winning begins. Sky Sports Radio, racing through history. State government legislation was introduced in 1943 to abolish the network of unregistered pony racing clubs. The Sydney Turf Club was created. New South Wales Premier William McKell was heavily involved, handpicking the first board of directors, including the chairman William Hill. And who said bookmakers don't have a guardian angel? The STC eventually purchased Rose Hill Racecourse Company and Canterbury Park Racecourse Company. The remaining clubs at Moorfield, Ascot, Kensington, Rosebury and Victoria Park were gradually phased out. Right out and taken over the lead at the judges' box the first time. This is Punter's Postmortem on Sky Sports Radio. It's all happening this morning uh, when it comes to uh, racing. You'd have a laugh on a Monday um, and uh, you're with uh, Chris Roots, uh, Brad Davidson, Dean Lester. There's something very funny that I've just seen as well, Dino, on uh, on Twitter. Uh, Damien Ratcliffe, who is one of uh, Chris's um, colleagues at The Age there in Melbourne. So they're obviously having a bit of a promo in Melbourne with the All-Star Mile. Yes, they are, yep. And there's a hot air balloon that was carrying uh, Damien Oliver. Well, it's, it's it was meant to land, obviously, on the front lawn there at Flemington, but... <laughs> I think they've uh, they've had an issue and it's landed somewhere oh, else. No. It might have landed on the course proper. So 
They've oh, helped that's us here. all right. No, yeah, no, yeah. I, I thought no, you say it landed in the Maribyrnong or something. No, no, no. There's nothing like that. I think they've, but they've had all the cameras and everything set up, and I think there's a bit of a mad fancy now to to trying it to land, but uh, racing, just having a bit of fun with us this morning. And uh, if you want to get involved with the show, 1353, uh, well, actually, while we're on that topic, um, I saw an article uh, pop up on the social, Dino, about uh, tracks down there in Melbourne. Obviously, Mooney Valley is changing. Caulfield's going to be changing internally in that precinct they're making. Um, do we know what's happening with sand down yet? Is there, is there, it's sort of all up in the air a little bit down there at the moment, isn't it? It is a bit. Um, Sandown, I mean, Sandown is a very valuable piece of land, obviously. Uh, it doesn't have to be sold off lock, stock and barrel. There's a lot of land around Sandown that is for car parking, which we don't use anymore because no one goes to Sandown. Uh, there's up over the hill there where there's the jumps track where well, we only have one jumps meeting there a year now, so that could be sold off. Uh, there's where the car racing uh, precinct is well I think that's being phased out so that could be sold off so there could be the opportunity to have you know housing around the race course uh, and and you know uh, and not be sold off in one lump sum and I think that's something that the MRC have got to work through uh, with regard to the Mooney Valley I, I've been you know I love Mooney Valley so I'm not that enamoured with uh, what they're going to change it to if you think of the track the track's going to be like a Melbourne equivalent of Doombin uh that's the virtually the the uh, shape of it, and the the grand the grandstand's going to be where currently in the winning post is currently where the, about the four hundred meter mark is now. So uh, it's going to change all around completely. Uh, it's a big um, development, and they've sold off a lot of land already. And with regard to Caulfield, no training there, so they've they've got to uh, appease the local council. But where they're going to put the new uh, mounting yard and everything, I think, is an absolute winner. I think they've got what they're going to have long term is the biggest win of all. It's going to it's going to be quite spectacular. So uh, probably akin to the the theatre of the horse, but uh, yeah, just um, uh, a lot better than how currently uh, Caulfield stands because yeah. on big days it can be just a total madhouse. Just a question: Why are they changing Mooney Valley? Like, what 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 spurred on the the change? Because I mean. You, I remember being there as a youngster, and uh, you know, watching a Cox Plate and that that fanning out there at the school side, and it's it's its own unique um, you know place. Why didn't they just try and upgrade the already own unique place? Yeah, it's a really good question, Dave. Uh, you just wonder. You know, I think, uh, gee, uh, I'd hate to think it came down to administrators and egos and wanting to leave a legacy on a course. And uh, I hope they leave a good legacy. Uh, I know that. They want Mooney Valley to be not just for the 24, 25 race days a year. They want it to be... It's a function centre now, but where the grandstand would be, the the backdrop would be the Melbourne skyline, and it would be... They think that would be more attractive. Uh, look, there's a, there's a lot of good points to it, but uh, whether they'll replicate the amphitheatre of what we've got now is... Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a big risk to take, risk and reward, uh, because you know that's what people go to the valley for is a point of difference. Because mm. I mean, to to sort of you know to change it like a, I'm presuming like I'm picturing Doombit in my head now, and to yep. change it, that, yep. so they would have had to obviously purchase land to extend their perimeters, or are they doing this all within their own perimeters? No, it's all within their own perimeters. So oh. the the turn out of the straight, where the grandstand is now, they, or and the lawns, they could use a little bit of that for the sweeping bend out of the straight. Uh, where um, it, it, 
they use it pretty much within the confines of where it is now because it's basically the same um, circumference as, as Doomben now, but it's just got that short straight. So you'd just be changing it round a bit. They'd keep the iconic 2,040-metre start. Um, they've made a brand out of their 9.55s on Friday nights. That'll be gone because I don't think they're going to run 1,000-metre races. I think it'll be 11 and 1,200s and a 1,600, 2,040 and a 2,500-I think the starts they're going to have. So, um, yeah, so it's... Uh, look, it's a, it's a big commitment they've made and I mean the members car park's already sold off in you know in land packages and uh the uh you know the, the entrance to Mooney Valley if you haven't been there for a few years you wouldn't recognize it there's the Winx Garden and there's you know it's totally different to how it was so it has uh, changed already and and uh the land they've sold off's encroaching in to where we know the racetrack is as as of today. Wow. Uh, Chris, there's a couple of texts on the text line just while we're on this topic about uh, Ramwick and lights. Um, a few punters here saying can't wait for Ramwick to have lights one day. Will that day happen soon or is it many, many moons away, do you think? Yeah, there's, a, there, there's um, some council work going on at the moment about the lights, but uh, with the way lights have gone now, the um, the... The light shadow that you get from lights is not as big, so um, public, the public won't have as much problem with with lights at Bramley because they'll be focused on the area of the course. Now, whether that's this year or next year, I think we'll be seeing lights at Bramley fairly quickly. And as Dino was talking about with Sandown, I think Canterbury, it's always been talked about as being, being you know, uh, a panacea for Sydney racing. I, I could see it being used similarly to, to what Sandown is and sell off the land around it and keep keep the race course in right back towards where the grandstand is so um there's not a lot of green space around canterbury so it'll probably play a big role in being green space for that area with all the high rises there but if they're going to sell parts of it off and they've already sold the car park off across the road across the road um and they're waiting and it's it's waiting it's waiting for um council approval as well to build the um build the units there so it's going to be. It's interesting. It, it's a. It's a time when racing is going to have to um, think for the future and not just for the dollar they're going to get now. When whether uh, a course like Sandown and a course like Canterbury will be good for for racing come twenty five, thirty years time. I mean, is it, is it beneficial looking at other uh, states? And I remember, you know, when when Adelaide went through that process of, you know, uh, obviously, you know, uh, selling tracks and. Obviously, it's it's a you know it's different uh, with a lot of aspects. But do you think do you think in twenty years' time, uh, Dino, we will have you know uh, metropolitan cities with all these different tracks, or do you think it'll become quite centralised and each city might only have one or two tracks and and that's it? Yeah, it's a it's a tough question, Dave, uh, because you know you've still got the members uh, that have got their their rights within that, and uh, I would think we'll certainly have three city tracks here and maybe the development of Packham, Packenham as a, you know, instead of Sandown because it's further out the southeastern corridor. It's on the same freeway as Sandown, but it's just further out. And whether we develop something to the north, like a, instead of having what we currently know as the Seymour Racecourse, maybe develop a, a, a super centre there or something like that so that the northern part of Victoria is catered for in a, uh, you know, better than, um, you know, like a close to uh, metropolitan or midweek sense, so uh, yeah, I, I think that's probably uh, you know I think 
Sandown would be the first to go. There's no doubt about that. But uh, you know, time frame, I'm not sure. What about in Sydney, uh, Chris? I think we'll probably at the moment. There's no plans to sell Canterbury. That'll be the one that go in Sydney. There's plan to redevelop um, stabling at um, Warwick Farm. I know about. So that's 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 going to going to be interesting when. The um, council planning, because the horse precinct of Warwick Farm, anyone who knows it, there's a precinct across the road there. Um, it's probably earmarked to be part of Liverpool Hospital and where doctors' rooms and things will, like that will go eventually because such a growth area out there and they need some more room. So I think a lot of trainers out there see their superannuation packages selling their stables. And if they do, they need somewhere to go, which would probably be within the course course course's um, perimeter there. Um, the problem being is that to buy land and enough land for a race course to st- these days is going to set you back an arm, a leg and part of your torso as well. So um, I think what we've got to do is try and make our tracks as good as they can be. And the Sydney tracks are a little bit old in in a sense of they haven't had, had a rebuild in a long time. So there is a platform there where they're planning to rebuild um, Rose Hill and maybe even Randwick, but they'd have to do those five to ten years apart, just because of, of the um, way way it's structured. So, well, okay. um, we'll see what happens, but it's going to be it's going to be an interesting next twenty years with with what's going to happen to racecourses around around the country. Yeah, let's get back to uh, the racing on the weekend because there's a text here about Shadow Crush. I'll bring you in here, Davo. Um, gee, there was a savage drift late for Shadow Crush, but uh, it just got the job done, didn't it? Yeah, it was a fascinating betting pattern with this horse because it was around, I think, around nine ten dollars in the morning, and they just hammered it. Uh, after nine a.m., some really smart judges obviously said this is the one today, and, and it was into. I remember even watching on course on the NOP uh, soon after they opened on course. It was four four sixty into about three ninety, and then it got right out late back in the piece. But it really, never looked uh, like it was going to get beat there in the straight. It's back to eleven hundred. Tom Cherry and the horse had been racing well. It, struggling to put himself in a race and again that was the query on Saturday he got got back but yeah, he was just able to sail home over the top of them back to 1100 there in really good style they ran home in 34.55 the last 600 so he's done a pretty good job to come from that position and, and win in really good style Lancaster Bomber was outstanding fresh broken arrows and solid again and Selena Dreaming was probably the disappointing runner it was well supported after it paraded well but um, Buffett at the top of the straight I do concede but not where she's been uh, first up the last few preparations so I know she had a few hiccups on the way in and she was off a, a long break as well so maybe that just hold with her Alright, uh, and we've got the Sapphire Coast this weekend with the big cup meeting well Barbara Joseph has um, definitely started uh, her week, if you want to call Saturday the start of her week, uh, pretty nicely what about room number Dave at any old price? Yeah, outstanding, wasn't it? And maybe Quay Crow was giving us a little bit of a leg up there. He, horse rode She's All In last time out and room number, and he decided to, to stick with the, the $61 roughy here. But I don't think many would have predicted that coming off a benchmark 60 win at Canberra prior, obviously building a, a nice record this mare. But that off the back of Amway Dance, who, dairy, if you took the shorts, you thought at the top of the straight, once again, here we go, this is all over, as it looked like it was first up. And She's just finding this way to, to get beaten late in the piece. She beat the rest easily enough, but I think she's this type of horse that needs to be maybe held up a little bit longer. She's found the front pretty early at, at both her, her starts in Australia, and she seems to have this pattern of, of looming and then just peaking the last 100, 150 metres. So 
Um, that, uh, she did that in her two runs prior to that New Zealand as well. So Fury's out to some degree, but I'm sure there's wins in store for her. She might just need a, a little break and a, a preparation here as well. All right, we've got our caller on the line. Mark, good uh, morning to you, mate. Yeah, morning, boys. Uh, just a couple of questions for Dean. Got Yep. Um, Dean, look, jewelry. Will that go to the Blue Diamond? What, what, what do you think of it? Uh, jewelry? Um, yeah, I'm hoping she does. Uh, I'm just looking at the acceptances. Well, they're not through yet, but. Uh, there's 12 in the uh, Blue Diamond preview for Phillies on Wednesday, and she was nominated, so don't know if she's accepted yet, but uh, I've only got the numbers. But uh, she, uh, yeah, she's a good filly. Um, they produced another very good filly on Saturday in Sumatra that uh, ran second. So uh, the Godolphin two-year-old fillies down here are, are looking pretty good. Yeah, I think a racing pattern suits the Diamond. And yeah, another I agree. In the boat, well, she's got an interest in So that's a pretty fair horse. Well, let's get out the 1400, 1600. I think it will. It does everything right. It doesn't fall or anything. Yeah, well, I'm hoping. I'm hoping he gets to fourteen hundred in three weeks at uh, Caulfield. So that's uh, well, that's his next test. So we'll uh, we'll see how he goes. But uh, yeah, he's going very well. Yeah, beautiful. Thanks so much for your call, Mark. Just having a look. So, what about Bistro as well? Bistro. So we've got um, you've got uh, Bistro who won at uh, Sandown last year. Uh, Gilbert Gardner wrote an article. Oh yeah, um, yep. last week. This this is sort of Godolphin. Oh yeah, the, free, the, the, free, yeah the Freeman, Freeman runner. Godolphin runner. Yep, yep. Then you've got uh, the ones you mentioned as uh, well. You've got uh, Jewelry uh, Viva Viva, um, and, and it, these previews are on Wednesday, aren't they? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Um, do you like them, the fact they're on a Wednesday, or do they just get lost? I mean, if you're not a racing... Well, you know, it's Australia these... Day. It's sort of... Uh, I mean, whether you like it or not, it is Australia Day. Yeah. Um, and it's a public holiday down here. And uh, it then two and a half weeks to the uh, previews, uh, yeah. to the preludes, and then two weeks to the main event. So, yeah, at, at, for the horse people, it fits in pretty well, I would have thought. Yeah, okay. Um, and I know we're obviously waiting for Fields to come out for that, but you, you would be sort of thinking at the at this stage, Godolphin uh, have a very strong hand leading into this year's Blue Diamond? Oh, I think so, yeah. I'm just looking at the, the final numbers. Uh, I can I can get into stable assist, but I can't see the actual horses. But there's only six in the Blue Diamond preview for Colts and Geldings. There's 14 for the Phillies. Um, and... Uh, yeah, disappointing numbers at the meeting, to be honest. Uh, there's a, a uh, sprint race, the Adam Stakes, only five and nine for the John Dillon, which is a listed race. So uh, numbers are down. So maybe they're with you, Dave. They, they've, it's got lost in the system. OK, all right. Uh, let's jump back up to Sydney, Davo, uh, because there's another text here on the text line about uh, the um, this winner of the last. You mentioned Bring the Ransom. You did make it one of your best. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I was on my ha-ha falls. I don't know how it's got beat. It was a lovely ride by Tommy. Um, just found one completely better. So well done, mate. Yeah, it was uh, super, wasn't he? Wahaha Falls. He looked like he had the race shot to bits. And, and bring the ransom. She just got that really nice finish at 1,400. She did a third up last preparation. And I thought, if she can just get off the, the back of the, the favourite here late, she might be able to launch. But I, I thought it was going to be too late. I really did. And then she just really powered that last 100 metres. I think she's got the best last 200 of the day there in the process. And... You know, to do it with 60 and a half kilos, um, not easy giving, you know, giving five kilos to Wahaha Falls there. And yeah, Tyler Schillery just continues to, 
to take good strides in, in Sydney. He was able to get her home over the over the line there, and uh, he's just knocking up winners week by week, Tyler. So he's doing a terrific job, and it wasn't an easy ride because she was back on the fence there midfield, had to make a few decisions, and, and was able to get her just out in time and had to finish home over the top. But she'll go back to stakes grade now and take on, I'm assuming, sort of mares races like she did last preparation, but no, well placed there by Bjorn. Bjorn in the last, so I don't know what the stats are on that. I'll have to try to find out, but geez, dearie me, it's uh, becoming coming something, isn't it? A bit like Willie in the Willie Pike in the last in, in Perth before all, all things happened over there, and uh, yeah, Bjorn in the last over here, he seems to seems to target a few of that race every week and getting the chocolates a lot of the time. All right. Uh, now, Chris, back to you, mate. Uh, back to uh, the, the sanctuary, the bird sanctuary. What, um, reading your uh, your article or your column, uh, which comes out on the Sydney Morning Herald, mate, uh, you talk a lot about uh, where well, you start with uh, the Snowden team. They're going to have a, a big couple of weeks. Yeah, they are. And it's going to be, I think the next the next two weeks we'll, we'll have we'll have a real idea where the Golden Slipper's heading. There's going to be a lot of horses come out. Um, there's the Piero paid in the uh, Millennium in two weeks' time and the Canterbury in the Witten this week. So there's no shortage of um, good races for two-year-olds. And um, I think um, after Saturday, we might even have a new favourite for the Golden Slipper. All right. Which would be? Um, Metalistic. Well, well, it could be one and I... I just, I just like the filly from that come up. It's come up from Melbourne, Imbaha. It's been, it was really good in the Merson Cooper. It looked like it was going to get, but was under pressure and then went away and won by a length. I think um, it's, it's the sort of horse that could filly that could, could continue on on an upward curve. And you've got to, you got to think that in the end, we're going to all these, all these two rolls this year have been a lot, a lot um, held back a lot more than they usually have been. So we're we're going to see the best of them in the next couple of weeks, and that'll really give us an idea of where they're going. Well, here's a uh, pie in the sky question: um, Do we think, just a yes or no? Do we think Cool and Gadda will jump favourite in the Golden Slipper? Brad? No, 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 I don't think so. Dino? No. And obviously a no there from Chris. So that's interesting. And we might put that uh, question out on the uh, the Twitter as well with a bit of a poll because she is obviously a current $4 favourite, but uh, a lot of water to roll on the bridge. Do we know when Great Barrier Reef's going to have a start, uh, Chris? Um, well, he's uh, he's going to be entered today for the for the Canterbury, but um, they'll only one one of the, the Colts from the Coolmore Syndicate. So Zambezi River will also be there. Um, so they'll... Uh, what, from what I was talking to Charlie Duckworth on Saturday, he said it might just be a little bit behind, so the Piero plate might be marked out for it in two okay. weeks' time. So I know a lot of people have watched the trials and been very impressed, but it is trial form, and Brad will tell you you can't find winners at the trials. So um, it's one of those ones where you just, you're just going to have to wait and see and find out, and we'll find out in the next couple of weeks. That's that's the interesting thing with these two-year-old races. It's going to be... Um, there's going to be bubbles burst, but there's going to be things that come onto the scene. And quite often, things are very on five and six to one, go out and win these races and end up shorter in the Golden Slipper after the race than they started in the race, which just, always just on, amazes me. Just on the Golden Slipper picture, I'm not sure what you guys think, but uh, I wouldn't be ruling out Wild Calm either on that run on Saturday. She just had to get a long, long way back from the gate. And and I thought she made up a stack of ground. And Annabelle Neesham said before the race, might be a little bit short for her, maybe wait for 1,200 metres and 
seen by American Pharaoh. She might be one who can really sell. She might be more a, a size champagne sort of horse too. But um, yeah, I really like the way she found the line there on the weekend. And her running the gym crack, I thought back uh, back in the spring was only a length or two inferior to Cool and Gatters because again she had to go right back from the gate. I think she's got a little bit of speed to settle at least in front of sort of four or six in a big field, and um, she does have that nice turn of foot we saw late. All right, we're going to take another break, she like guys. She couldn't keep up. She looked like she couldn't keep up coming to the turn, and you know I was surprised to see her um, finish off the way she did. So it was just one of those one of those ones where it might be a flashing light that um, you'll you'll look at it and say oh, I want to be on it next start, and they'll start shorter than it probably should. All right, we'll take that break. We'll return. We've got horses to follow still to come, and if you want to give us a call, thirteen fifty three fifty three is the open line number. Darley Stallions. They win. Montefilia is stretching, lunging, and got up to win it. Montefilia claims the two group ones in a week. She has done something no filly has ever done. And that is her third group one win. They sell. Kermanek filly. Here's the hammer. I sell. They get you to the big days. That is 100 career group one wins. Darley Stallions. They win. They sell. They get you to the big days. The Big Sports Breakfast Luncheon is on again. Join sporting icons Laurie Daly and Michael Clark, plus a wide range of sporting celebrities at the Luna Park Big Top, Friday, February 25. The team will take you through an afternoon of big laughs, good food and great company as you mingle with sporting royalty. Single seats or tables of 10 available. The Big Sports Breakfast Luncheon, Friday, February 25 at Luna Park. Get your tickets now at ticketmaster.com.au. The only place to catch the very best equine superstars from around the globe, first time, every time, is right here. Live and exclusive across the Sky Racing Network. Catch every game of the biggest NBL season yet. Oh my goodness! NBA legend Matthew Della Vadova returns home. Plus, watch out for rising stars Usman Diang and Kai Soto. Watch every game live on ESPN with KO. For radio lovers, it all adds up. You make us laugh. You make us sing. Connect us all to everything. And even when our day's gone wrong, you'll play that song and we'll move on. It all adds up. And now there's even more for us. Extra stations, in fact, 20 plus. All our favourites will still be found, but the difference now is digital sound. Free from fuss and free for us. There's more radio to love on DAB+. Plus. You're listening to Sky Sports Radio and Punters Postmortem. You certainly are. You're with Brad Davidson, Chris Roots, and also Dean Lester. Now, uh, before we uh, get to horses to follow, a couple more texts on the text line here, Dino, in regards to Melbourne on the weekend. Uh, now, we spoke about uh, your the horse you have a, a very small share in, which we've already had the caller, Mark, uh, chime into. Mm-hmm. This first race at the Valley, um, just how good is this winner unflinchingly? Yeah, well, he's uh, he's three from three. Uh, he just jumped and ran on debut, and you thought, oh well, that was a an okay performance. And he did much the same at his second win at Mooney Valley. Uh, but Saturday was a much more controlled gallop. The the horse that was probably the likely leader um, missed the start uh, in Rock Artist and. He sat outside the lead unflinching and he didn't go that hard and, and then really put the foot down around the best last 400, 200 of the day. So that's the first time I've looked at him and thought, geez, you run probably 1,200 metres. Uh, so 
that that opens up a lot of uh, avenues for him, and mm. uh, the way he's improved with every start, um, he he might be pretty good. Another uh, I am invincible that's uh, you know just improving with racing. And what about the second horse too, Duchess of Savoy, who we have seen here in Sydney for Team Hawks. Yeah, she's just still got to learn her way a bit. She missed the start uh, and then was a bit keen in behind them. Uh, that's the second time at Mooney Valley she's over-raced and I just don't know if the, the tight track really suits her at the Valley. So uh, I'd like to see her back to... You know, she won at Sandown, but even if she got down the straight at Flemington or even Caulfield where she should have won a Blue Diamond preview uh, as a two-year-old, uh, I think probably away from the Valley for her for now. But she, she still ran okay, but she got it a bit wrong on Saturday. Okay, fantastic. All right, uh, now uh, Brad, back to back to you, mate. Uh, you mentioned Wild Calm there in the two-year-old race. What did you make of the Godolphin runner that uh, obviously got the uh, the chocolates? Yeah, she did a solid do- job, didn't she, on debut? The half sister to Trekking Flimstock and James Cummings sort of suggesting after the race. I think he's kind of in two minds of what they do with her, whether they sort of target the slipper or or just keep her maybe a level below that. So we'll see how that pans out. But no, solid solid effort. I thought deep deep expectation was good on speed. Felt the pinch that last little bit, and as I said, I think clearly the run of the race though was wild calm. I, I I just think they weren't able to get into it early. I had a look at the stewards' vision down the side there from the seven to the four hundred, and the horse that was second last was two off the fence. So I don't think Tommy Berry wanted to get out three wide early, and that's why he was two lengths off the last horse, and she just got into a, a spot. But if you watch her trials before that, she's actually been up on speed at trials, and even her run in the gym crack, she. She jumped like really well and could have put herself right there, but just had to go right back from the gate. So I think she's the one to follow out of the race up to 1,200 metres from a better draw. I think she can settle much closer, and if she can produce that finish, uh, she'd be the one I'll be taking out of the race for sure. All right, um, back down to Melbourne. Dino, another text here, just uh, scrolling through, finding it. Um, hey, guys, can you ask Dino about uh, the winner of the second race there at uh, the Valley, having its first start? Does it... Obviously, go good. That is Count the Headlights, who was good on debut. Yeah, he does. He goes really well. Uh, he'd had three trials leading in. His first trial was really good. His second trial was really plain. Then they put the blinkers on him, and he went very well. And uh, on Saturday, uh, he did a, did a very good job again. Set outside Eros. Uh, Eros, uh, stable of reporter, pulled up Shinsaw. So we won't see him going forward, I wouldn't imagine, uh, in the short term. But Count the Headlights was good. Ran right through the line. In one of his trials, he sort of got outside the lead and it looked like he sort of half pulled up, but he really ran through the line on Saturday. But uh, I think it'll be a significant race. I think he can go to the Blue Diamond Prelude on uh, February 12 and for the Colts and run well. And Sumatra, the filly, if she goes that way, uh, the daughter of Earthquake, uh, she's a beautiful filly. And uh, I thought her run was terrific from back in the field. All right, fantastic. You know, Let's get... she not get... Dino, did she not get around the turn there at the valley? Yeah, um, I thought that uh, exactly that, Chris. She just got on the wrong leg and uh, did, she did a good job to balance up and still hit the line for her first start to you know be cope with the valley. It's not not an easy thing, and uh, she she ran very well. So now I think getting to Caulfield, I think for both of them, uh, both the winner and the second horse, they'll be better at uh, at Caulfield. All right, horses to follow, gents. We'll start with you, Davo. What are we backing, yeah. mate? Yeah, a few for me. I'm going to go. I'm going to make one of them uh, wild calm. I just think stepping up in trip, if if she can find a, a nice race, no compromise. He, he's probably a bit of a longer term prospect, but a terrific return from him over the 1400. And I think this is the one. The next start, uh, Mr. Bond. He's just been parading so well this preparation, and 
He was wide no cover there on the weekend. Again, over a trip a little bit short of his best, but he looked the winner, just found one better late, but I think he cherry ripe to be winning a couple of races over 2,200-plus this campaign. Deno, your horses to follow? Just mentioned two of them, Count the Headlights and Sumatra. I think they're two of the better two-year-olds. And horse I mentioned off the New Year's Day meeting uh, was Sharp Response and on Saturday, just the, the way the track was playing in those short races especially, he just had way too much to do. It was a terrific run and he can drop back to three-year-old grade. Uh, he'll win a good race over the autumn. Uh, you know, I would say at least listed maybe Group 3 company for Sharp Response. He's going well. All right. And uh, Chris, your horses to follow, mate. Yeah, I'm with Solon Impact. I, I just think this meeting's going to be um, tough for horses to step up from, but it's going to have the one-run um, under its belt when it meets the better three-year-olds. And I think as it gets up and trip, it's going to get better and better. And I thought there was one in the highway, which was a cheeky little run, Garnet, Garnet Peak. I think it'll go to, could go to a country championship seat out west and give a bit of cheek. It was a really good late over 1,100. And I think getting out to 1,400 will suit it, suit it and it'll, it could run a nice race out west. And I think we're all looking for something to bet on on a Sunday when those country championship hits come around. Yeah, we won't be uh, too far away from them at all. In fact, that uh, what first week in Feb, uh, we've got Coffs Harbour, and um, or second week in Feb, I should say, and it'll all be uh, starting to, to really gain momentum. Gents, that's been uh, Punters Postmortem, the summer edition. Thanks so much for being a part of it today, and have a good Monday.